It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Redskins. Your daily Washington Redskins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We welcome you aboard to episode number 309 of the Locked On Redskins podcast. I'm your host, Chris Russell, as always. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading wherever you might be, wherever you might be spending your weekend. Maybe some of you are spending it in the Washington, D.C. area, heading to FedEx Field on Sunday for the home opener between the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Redskins. We've got a lot to get to. This episode going to be labeled Coaching Against the Cowboys. We'll hear from Jay Gruden, his press conference on Friday, Kevin O'Connell, the Redskins offensive coordinator, and also uh, Greg Minuski. So we've got all three uh, major coaches for you right here on this episode of LOR. So let's get to it because we got a lot of news. Uh, and here is the latest from the Redskins and from various reports reports. So Darius Geis is going to go on IR, first reported by J.P. Finley, also confirmed by John Keim of the uh, of ESPN and others uh, as well. And Caleb Brantley is going to go on IR as well. Now, listen, we all knew Geis was a possibility. We had talked about this on episode number 308, right? Uh, and really throughout the week, we all understood that whether it's four to six weeks or whether it's six to eight weeks or four to eight weeks or somewhere in between, the Redskins probably could not carry Darius Geis on the 53-man roster, even though, of course, they could have just simply deactivated him on game day. You're taking up a roster spot that you could use to get another healthy body in, and obviously when you then have injuries uh, that elsewhere pile up, if you need to create a roster spot, you're kind of screwed because then he would have to miss an additional eight weeks. So the right thing to do was to put Darius Geis on IR, where the earliest he can return is November 17th against the New York Jets. That's after the bye week. Uh, again, he's got to miss the next eight weeks. Again, that's the right thing to do, even if even if he's ready after five weeks. He can practice. He can practice. Uh, I believe it's after the sixth week. Uh, he can practice with the team um, and ramp up and get ready so that hopefully, just like Trey Quinn was, uh, who went on IR after week one last year, he was ready to return when the Redskins took on the Houston Texans uh, in that, you know, after the eight-week uh, window, and he was ready to go. Um, there may have been a slight delay. I can't remember if he was supposed to come back uh, technically for the Tampa game and he wasn't ready. I, I have to double-check that, but the the bottom line is is that, you know, even if Darius Geis is ready after six weeks, there is nothing wrong with making sure he's ready, making sure he's strong, making sure he can cut well and without pain and move well, making sure that there's no swelling, making sure that there's no soreness when he comes back from this after a couple of weeks of rehab and rest and whatever the prescribed treatment is by Dr. James Andrews and the Redskins. While it may stink that the Redskins don't have Geis, 
for half the year, the hope is, the hope is you get a strong Darius Geis midway through the year as defenses are starting to wear down, as the weather is starting to turn and get chillier and colder and more inclement. And maybe the Redskins can do what they seem to, you know, have wanted to do, which is, again, a physical run game, but also with a quickness that Darius Geis has that, you know, clearly Adrian Peterson lacks for the most part. Lacks for the most part. Not to say that AP doesn't have any quickness, uh, but clearly Darius Geis, when he's healthy, is more explosive, more lightning quick, if you will. Uh, so, again, Darius Geis going to go on IR. The Redskins also going to put Caleb Brantley on IR. Uh, same type deal. Again, a rotational defensive end. We talked about him a lot. Remember when he first injured his foot, Liz Frank, mild sprain, we worried that this was going to be a bad omen. We worried that this was going to be a problem. We talked about this uh, on a couple of different episodes. And it's my fear, once again, that he was rushed back, that maybe the training staff saw the wrong thing, that maybe it's just bad luck, but it just seems like all too often, these guys are, are rushed back. These guys jump back into it. A, they want to play. B, the team wants them to play and be available, and then they go out. And as soon as they've got to really exert and push and press, something happens again. And that's exactly what happened. Caleb Brantley was activated and practiced and was kept on the roster and was ready to go, in their words, for last Sunday in Philadelphia, and he didn't last the game, and boom, now he has to go on IR. Nobody will make a big deal out of this because it's Caleb Brantley. It's a pretty big injury because Jonathan Allen is also going to be out for this Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys, so they're already short two defensive linemen. Uh, Again, I I understand they signed T.Y. McGill. Uh, I, I got it. I understand that. But, but, the Redskins were counting on these two guys, Allen, arguably their best offensive lineman and certainly their leader, uh, and as well Caleb Brantley to be a rotational defensive end to give them a little bit of freshness when Allen or Ioannidis was wearing down. Remember, we mentioned this several times throughout the offseason and training camp, that Allen and Payne played over 75% of the snaps last year. Now, again, that won't happen for Allen because he's already uh, out for Week 2 and he missed most of Week 1. So that's going to actually help him in terms of keeping his snap count down. But we'll have to see what he pl- when he comes back. Assuming he comes back for Week 3 against the Chicago Bears, we'll have to keep track of how he then plays and how many snaps he does play. Does he play 75% of the snaps in, say, the remaining 14 games, or say he misses one more game, you know, the remaining 13 games. So that's not good either. The whole point is is to play him a little bit less to keep him fresher and hopefully to spare him from some injuries. But that's the news on that front. The news elsewhere is not great either. Uh, Jordan Reed uh, has been declared out for Week 2. He missed, of course, Week 1. Uh, and Jonathan Allen, as we mentioned, has already been ruled out by Jay Gruden. Quentin Dunbar is questionable with a knee injury. That's not looking great. Fabian Moreau, who missed last week, is doubtful for Week 2. Colt McCoy, of course, has been ruled out. John Kime of ESPN says that he could be back for Week 3. We'll have to see 
how that turns out. The Redskins did get a little bit of good news with Monte Nicholson, who's been dealing with that foot injury. He was a full go in practice on Friday, so he looks to be fine, barring some sort of setback. So that's the injury report for the Redskins. The Dallas Cowboys don't have really any major injuries. Uh, They got Zach Martin back full go at practice after he was limited uh, the first couple of days. Now, Sean Lee did not practice on Friday but he was full go Wednesday and Thursday, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. I'm not sure if that's just a rest day for a veteran uh, or not, but he did not practice on Friday. So, again, uh, we'll have to kind of, you know, deal with that. He, You know, he, he has been dealing with a little bit of a knee injury. So, uh, again, we will uh, check on that uh, and wait official word on Sunday morning. All right, so we're going to take a quick time out. We're going to come back uh, with, again, Jay Gruden and Greg Minuski, Redskin head coach and Redskin defensive coordinator right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. I am your host, Chris Russell. Thanks for being with us. As always, this is episode number 309. Stay tuned. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we're back right here on the Locked On Redskins podcast. Long day at work, still stuck at the office. Guys, open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat. Eat. Uh, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are right now. Our listeners can get $5 off their first order, $15 or more, when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code Locked On. Also, can't find a workout that keeps you engaged after you eat all that good food? Then you can work out in your basement or in your bedroom. Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use the promo code LOCKED to get started. That's LOCKED to get started. All right, here's Jay Gruden from Friday with word on the rest of the Redskins roster and how decimated they already are going into week two. With, with Jordan was there, I know concussions can be tricky, but he had been out there increasing his work. Was there, there, there what happened um, today? Yeah, I just uh, didn't work out this week as far as uh, feeling 100% to play in a game. What's your corner situation look like if Quentin can't go and you know, doubtful means Fabian's almost certainly not going to be able to go? Uh, so how would you line it up inside, outside with the, the guys down the depth chart? Yeah, we have the guys on a depth chart. That's who's going to play. And uh, we'll have to line them up accordingly, uh, depending on who's in there and, uh, and how we decide to do it. So uh, the depth chart's up there, and we'll have to figure out how to line them up. With Dunbar's knee, when he got evaluated yesterday, what did it show? Is he just sore? Does he have a sprain? Uh, it's got a few issues in there. I don't know. I didn't uh, read the report, so I don't know. You're asking the wrong guy. You have to get our <laughs> trainer up here and find out what he yeah. said. I just know that he's uh, questionable for this game, and hopefully uh, some of the soreness goes away by tomorrow. So we'll have to find out tomorrow. But 
would it be DRC on the outside then? If most likely, yeah. What did you see from him in week one? That yeah, just well, he didn't play a whole lot. He played a little yeah. bit, you know. And uh, DRC's a vet, you know. He's seen every coverage, played every coverage. He's played a lot of great players in his day, man to man zone. So uh, he's a veteran guy. He's the reason why he's here, really, just in case something like this were to happen. Uh, we feel pretty good that DRC can uh, play and play at a pretty good level. Do you know what exactly happened to Dunny? Was there some certain plays that he heard it on? Or just uh, no, just Wednesday out? practice. His knee swelled up a little bit and uh, was giving him some discomfort. So we went and got it checked out and uh, hoping the discomfort goes away and he'll be all right. Um, I know it's not the first time you've had a deal with this with Jordan, but again, because it was trending a certain way, as a coach, what was your challenge in terms of putting together a game plan, thinking maybe it looked pretty good that he might be playing? Yeah, that's always a challenge, especially with him, because he's a special guy that if he's in the game, you've got to design a few plays for him. Uh, so, you know, those plays just got red-penned. They just got axed. So, <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, we have a lot of good players, a lot of good weapons that we can still attack a defense. We're not worried about that. The main thing is we're worried about Jordan getting well, and hopefully that'll be uh, next week for Chicago. McGill and Hester, now that they've only been here a couple weeks, um, will they be able to kind of handle that workload considering they're going to be playing a lot on Sunday? Yeah, that's a, that's a test. That'll be a test. Hester's played some ball at Philadelphia. He came in in great shape. McGill also has kind of got a little bit of familiarity with the system. He can do a little bit of different things, but it's a matter of if they're out there, uh, can they do the right things and be in the right spot. I think they can. They're both smart guys, both physical guys, so that's good. Uh, good players. You know, we're happy to get them. So, uh, but – being in the right spot with all the stunts and things that they do, that's going to be the challenge. But I think Coach Tom Sula will get them up to speed. All right, that's head coach Jay Gruden meeting with reporters on Friday at Redskins Park. Now from Thursday also at Redskins Park, here's defensive coordinator Greg Minuski. A lot of things going wrong in the second half, a lot of questions. How many answers did we get? Greg Minuski meeting with reporters on Thursday at Redskins Park. What changed for you guys? Obviously, second half last week did not go as well as the first half. When you went back and watched the tape, what was the things that stuck, or what were the things that stuck out to you? I think basically, you know, we, we played uh, hard in the first half. We, we made some plays. In the second half, we didn't make the plays that we needed to make. You know, uh, too many drives of 12 yards, 12 yards, or 12 plays, 12 plays. And then not getting off on third down was really affecting us. So we got to play better on third down and make sure we get off the field. What are some ways which you guys can try to manufacture some pressure after not really getting to Wentz at all last week? Yeah, he's a pretty good quarterback, of course, good offensive line. You know, for, from a protection standpoint, you know, he can hold the ball and he could scramble and he could get around. And uh, we got to make sure we get after, you know, the same guy in Dallas. You know, it's very similar. So uh, we got to make sure we get off on third down so we get off the field. Um. One of the things that seemed to pop up, and I don't know, it's always labeled communication issues, but there are covered some coverage breakdowns for whatever reason. Um, what do you attribute those to? Well, we just got to keep on working it during the, the practices each and every week, you know, across the board. We got to make sure that the communication is always vital, you know. And, uh, you know, we're just going to keep on working it on the field uh, during practice and make sure uh, the communication is there, and we'll get it. There were, and there were – it looked like some of the breakdowns came out. There different types of coverages each time, it seemed. Do you wonder sometimes if you put too much, if you have to cut, scale those coverages back, or do you feel pretty good about what you're asking to do in that area? No, I think we're, we're all right. You know, across the board, I think we got to just keep on working and communicating on the back end, front, front line, across the board. You know, the communication is vital, and we got to keep on doing that. Do you walk out of that game can, you know, encouraged by what that first half was and what this defense you think can be, what you guys believe here it could be, or do you walk out of it discouraged because of what happened in the second half? First quarter. 
Second quarter. That's the way I look at it. You know what I'm saying? We got some good players. We got to make sure that we just hone it up and try to do what, you know, everybody's on the same page and we get, get going. I mean, can, can you do more with turnovers? I realize it was neither on either side, but I mean, it, is there something you can do there? Can you force that action a little bit more? Well, I think that's, you know, just overall, I think that's the biggest thing is, is the turnover ratio. I mean, I mean, that's big. You know, they didn't have any. We didn't have any. You know, so the situation is those turnovers do cause a game to go either way, and we didn't have any of those. So we got to make sure that we focus that on the field when we're out there. What did you make of how your three inside linebackers played, and how do you kind of go about determining the rotation? Because you had different combos throughout the game. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, with the 12-play run or 12-play series, another 12-play and the 20-play, you know, it was kind of back and forth with some of the guys that we had in there because of the, uh, you know, it was kind of a little bit hot and humid. And, uh, you know, those 20-plays drives or 12-play drives, you know, could gas the guys. So, uh, you know, just rotating the guys that we need to rotate. And sometimes they were a little bit gassed which we knew, and uh, that's why we rotated them. And, and how did you think of each of those three guys played? Oh, they played okay. You know, I think across the board, uh, we got to get better each and every week, and uh, that's what we got to do. Have you noticed them doing anything different from past of trying to confuse the defenses, and, and do you have certain conversations with maybe Bostic on how to try and identify that sooner? Say it again, I'm sorry. Just the, the way of trying to, that they are trying to do to try and confuse the defenses, have you noticed anything different from the stunts? Are there any things that they've been trying to do? Well, I'm just saying overall, the communication with Bostic, you know, you know, you know I was as a Mike linebacker, he's a communication guy, you know, trying to get it across the board uh, with the front line and the DBs. And I thought, you know, overall, he did a pretty good job during the, during the game. But, you know, we got to get better across the board. All right, that's defensive coordinator Greg Minuski as he gets ready to take on the high-powered, high-octane Dallas attack. Uh, Dak Prescott, again, 25 of 32, 405 yards, four touchdowns, a perfect 158-3 quarterback rating against the New York Giants. He was one of four quarterbacks in NFL history with a 158-3 quarterback rating on 30-plus attempts. One of four in NFL history. How does that speak to you? Uh, he also became the fifth quarterback with 400-plus passing yards, four-plus touchdowns, and no interceptions in uh, a season opener in NFL history. That's uh, – yikes. <laughs> yikes. Uh, six passing touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns, no interceptions, and a career 102 rating in six games against the Redskins in his career. Now – uh, I, I should point out that, again, the Redskins did beat the Cowboys last October, and Ryan Kerrigan and Preston Smith combined for that sack force fumble, fumble recovery, and touchdown. Uh, but, again, that's, uh, that's not the statistic that we gave you. He has no interceptions and 10 career touchdowns against the Redskins in six career games. All right, when we come back, Kevin O'Connell. Redskins offensive coordinator. He caught up with reporters. That's next right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. Good to have you with us. This is David Harrison of the Locked on Commanders podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com 
slash credit card. All right, guys, we're back. Episode number 309 of the Locked on Redskins podcast. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. And also, Indochino is the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company. This week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino seat for just $369. Just simply go to Indochino.com. And when entering locked on at the checkout, Indochino.com. All right, here's Kevin O'Connell, Redskins offensive coordinator, meeting with reporters on Friday. How does your week change as Jordan seems like he's going to play, then all of a sudden obviously things took a turn yesterday. So as you're planning, knowing that you have a special set of things that just Jordan can do, then all of a sudden those aren't available. How does your job change? Yeah, you look at it. Uh, when we're putting some of those things in, you think about alternative options, whether maybe even in-game sometimes if we've run that play and we want to get another look at it with maybe CT or Vernon or Trey or any of our other guys, Terry, Paul, we can move things around. That's the beauty of this system is we've got every formation we could possibly need, and if we don't have it, we make it up and we figure out a name to call it. So uh, from a standpoint of you know my role as far as putting together the plan and, 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 and figuring out who's going to try to do what, when Jay and I sit down and we kind of put it all together, we talk about those contingency plans, especially when a guy's you know, still, you know, he may be out practicing, but he's not fully 100% yet. It's really on Jay and the medical staff to determine all that. But yeah, I'm, I'm constantly trying to evaluate where we can maybe have a, a backup option to, uh, to want, if it's something we really want to run. Um, Dallas has given you guys problems in the past with like stunts and stuff on the offensive line. Is there anything that Case can do to whether it's get the ball out fast or anything to kind of prevent that pressure from getting there? Yeah, I thought last week against Philadelphia, um, he did a great job being really aggressive with his feet, really, you know, really disciplined with his eyes. So when something was there, if number one or number two, we work really hard to try to get those guys open for him. So when those guys are there, he can be aggressive with his feet and his eyes, and, and he's so talented as a, as a passer when he's confident in what he's looking at. That's what we're trying to replicate and duplicate. Um, but as far as, you know, we worked a lot on the movement and the stunts up front. Uh, we can do some things with our protections and make sure we're, you know, aware of maybe some of the weaknesses that we may have schematically that they've taken advantage of in the past. That's on us as coaches. But, but at the end of the day, we feel confident about our group. We're playing a great front again like we did last week. Uh, thought they had played their – their, their rear ends off last week, and they just got to do it again. This time at home, we get to use some cadence, um, so it'll be a positive for us. How much does losing Darius take things out of what you wanted to do offensively? Well, I think that's the, the beauty of having Adrian and, and, and our whole uh, you know, group of running backs that we have. I think we talked about this last week, just the idea of we can run a lot of the same runs with those guys because they are so versatile. And I know, you know, I, I think a lot has been made of Adrian and, you know, you know, in the eye or in the dot or all that stuff. You know, we just think about what are the best schemes against that defense and, and, and how do we continue to find ways to run those. And Bill does a great job with that. And, and, and we try to get together and make it all look the same and, and, and have a lot of sameness and likeness to our offense. So on first and second down, you know, we can kind of dictate not only tempo, but dictate you know, hopefully, you know, the best parts of our system uh, can be on display on Sundays. But as far as, you know, who's in there or who's not, like I said, whether it's Jordan or, or Darius, um, I'm just focusing on, you know, kind of the X's and O's side of it and then making sure we're sound there. And then, you know, I feel really good about the roster we've put together offensively of fitting multiple pieces into those roles. 
Schematically, there's been some criticism that you guys are trying to do too much in the run game. Obviously, on the other side of that argument is, well, if we can do a lot of different stuff, it's confusing for a defense. How do you find that balance, and, and kind of where do you sit philosophically on doing a few things really, really well or trying to have some variety in your game? Yeah, I think, you know, let's not be afraid to give the other side credit sometimes. If we could run the same four or five things and get really good at them, you know, against everybody we play, we would do that every Sunday and, and keep running it until people stopped them. But we play some really good defenses, uh, the tough at the point of attack sometimes, uh, you know, on the edge, on the perimeter, all those different things that go into runs. Uh, it's, it's a... It's, it's a good conversation to have, but at the end of the day, we're going to continue to try to do things uh, that we feel have the best chance to give us success in the pass game and the run game, uh, situationally, whatever it may be. And, you know, as far as too much or too little, um, we'll continue to evaluate that. What did you make of Eric's first start at left guard? And do you think maybe as the weeks go on, you can kind of put more on his plate and trust more on that left side as a whole? Yeah, I thought he played really well. I mean, throughout camp, uh, we were bound, you know, trying to give him as, as many reps as we could at that left guard spot. Played a little tackle here and there, depending on you know, what day down there in Richmond. But as far as his first game on the road, hostile environment, cl uh, crowd noise, that first group kind of in there for the first time playing real football uh, together, you know, we were really happy with that group, and especially Eric, and he competed, played with physicality. And, and as the game wore on, those guys, it was a hot day, a lot of snaps. Uh, maybe not in the third quarter, but there were a lot of snaps, and those guys kind of maintained uh, you know, their first step and physicality and all those things. So uh, we're looking for those guys to just build on that performance, you know, not only on the left side, but the right side with Morgan and Brandon as well. Did Case kind of meet your expectations for what you thought he might be able to do in that game, or did you see him, or, you know, what, just overall, what did you think? He did. I, I've got high expectations for Case. I've got high expectations for all of our quarterbacks. As hard as we work at it um, as a group, uh, not only as a system and as an offense, we feel strong about our plan going into every game. Um, and then hopefully my job is to make those guys feel as strongly as I do about the plan when we hit the field on Sundays. And Case does an unbelievable job from a preparation standpoint, um, leading the group throughout the week, but also individually. We put a lot on his plate, get us into the good plays and, and kind of make sure uh, we can try to limit some of those negative plays that kind of jump up sometimes by putting it on the quarterback's plate sometimes. And I, I think he handles all that well. He's tremendous in and out of the huddle. He's tremendous tempo on game day, getting to the line of scrimmage and trying to use his cadence and trying to get the defense to uncover any of their disguises they have. And that all leads to him, like I said, playing really aggressive with his feet and, and really disciplined with his eyes. And he's got plenty of arm talent to make all the throws. So that's normally a pretty good formula. Uh, Kevin, so what did you make of the second half against the Philadelphia Eagles? And what do you think you can take from uh, the performance in those final two quarters and learn from going into the rest of the season? Well, first and foremost, the 18-play the drive to finish. I, I told the offense on Monday, um, that's not easy to do. You know, it's a double-digit lead at that point, and the Eagles weren't going to give up much in a two-minute drive. But for us to get 18 plays, uh, you know, executing our two-minute offense, some dinking and dunking there, but they're forcing it to happen. You know, we, we had some negative plays that we overcame in that drive, second and longs, third and longs, converted a fourth down. Um, so there were some positives, just the, the lack of quit in our guys. They continued to battle up front, uh, the guys on the perimeter, and, and Case continuing to play smart, but also, you know, try to push us down the field. So that was obviously a positive. But as far as the third quarter goes, I went, you know, going back and watching it, it to me it really comes down to about six plays there. The first drive, okay, you know, you come out of the half and, and we end up in a, you know, a, not a very conducive third down situation after a couple plays. Uh, 
but really those next sequences, we missed Terry deep there. Uh, we have a chance to make a conversion on kind of an RPO style play and then third down, you know, and if we just execute just a little bit better, any one of those three plays move the chains and then maybe who knows when, you know, we get rolling on drives, you know, every completion, every positive play does tend to have a negative effect on the defense over the course of a drive. Uh, we just got to get rolling, got to get started, limit those negative plays and then the, you know, the positive momentum builds with our group, uh, not only up front, but the quarterback position, the skill players, and that normally leads to a lot of success for us. So, All right, and once again, that is Kevin O'Connell as he tries to get Case Keenum, Adrian Peterson, and Terry McLaurin ready to go for war against this Dallas Cowboy defense. No Jordan Reed for Washington for a second consecutive week. That's going to do it for us. Have a great rest of your weekend. Redskins, Cowboys, 1 o'clock. We'll be back here Sunday night to wrap it all up for episode number 310 of the Locked on Redskins podcast. Until then, enjoy. Have a great rest of the weekend. Thanks for listening and downloading the Locked on Redskins podcast. Adios. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.